welcome to the Empower Church podcast. My name's Matt Garner, and I'm the pastor at Empower Church here in Melbourne, Australia. We're so glad you've joined us today, and I am believing that today's message is not only going to inspire you and encourage you, but it's going to empower, equip, and challenge you to be everything that God has called you to be. Hey, if you want more information about what we're up to at Empower Church, just jump on our website, empowerchurch.co, and all the details are there. We really hope that you enjoy the message. God is a good God. Despite what you're facing, He's good, isn't He? Come on, somebody say amen. That means yes, we believe it. He is good. He is good. Well, we're going to come around um, a time where we venture into God's Word this morning. Um, we're kind of launching our Christmas kind of theme is make room. And so Alicia pretty much just stole my sermon. Um, so we'll talk about that later on. I have to be locking my Bible notes down. She's like, yeah, I'm going to do that. No, I'm joking. Um, praise the Lord. But I want us to just pray for a moment because when we come into a time of uh, the Word, uh, it's important that we engage every part of who we are, spirit, soul, body, every part. We want to allow, the Bible says that God's Word is able to divide between bone and marrow, between spirit and flesh, the very thoughts, the intents, the thoughts that we have. And so every aspect of who we are, God in this time wants to come and move in power inside of you. Amen. Amen. And so some of you walked in here with all sorts of things going on in, in that space of your thinking and you're going to go out completely set free in the name of Jesus. Some of you this week, you've, you've had diagnoses, you've had sicknesses, you've had a whole lot of things happen, but you are going to walk out of this room completely set free because God's Word is powerful. God's Word is powerful. Amen. And so what I want us to simply do today, um, because whenever preaching happens, it's not like um, a spectator sport. It's not a sport at all. Um, but... This part of church isn't about spectating. This part of church is about partnering with the Holy Spirit's work in our own hearts to receive from Him. So all that I would like us to do today is just begin to ask the Holy Spirit to increase our capacity to receive His Word. Amen. Ask for the grace to, to be able to receive what God wants to speak into us. So if you don't know what to pray, just start by praying this. But come on, all of you that know how to pray, why don't you just begin to open your mouths right now and say, Lord Jesus, increase 
my capacity to receive from you. Come on, just pray that. Lord, increase my capacity to receive from you right now. Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit, increase my capacity. I want to receive from you, Father. Lord, increase my capacity. Increase my capacity. Come on, where are the prayer warriors at this morning? Lord, increase my capacity. I don't want to just sit here and listen to another message. Father, I'm asking that you would enlarge me, that you would expand me, Father, that you would change me from the inside out. I'm asking today, Holy Spirit, come and do what only you can do. Come and do the work that only you can do. Come and do, Father, what no self-help guru can do. We don't need another guru. We need a move of your power. We need a move of your spirit. Father, we need a move of a dimension of power that would change our lives forever. So, Lord, we're asking today that you would increase our capacity. Give us the grace today to receive from you. Give us the grace today to receive from you. See, let me teach you something. The issue is never the oil when it comes to God. You know how we're always saying, like, God, fill me. It's not because um, that might not be the most theologically correct prayer because God's not a commodity that we run out of, right? And so we treat Him as a person. We treat Holy Spirit as a person. If, my, if I come into church early um, or if I go and take do the school run in the morning, just because I'm physically absent from my wife doesn't mean our marriage is less because of our perceived proximity. Are you with me? And so we don't run out of God. <laughs> That's why we can walk into any environment, doesn't matter what you're feeling, knowing that you carry the presence of God, you carry authority. You can walk into a satanic church, you carry the authority of heaven. Jesus is on your side, amen. You can walk into anywhere you want. You can walk, you can walk being led by the Spirit of God and you have power inside of you. You have the Holy Spirit's power. The issue is never the oil. Remember that story about the woman? She was dying. And what did, what did the prophet come and say? I believe it was Elijah. Came and said, hey, go and get, get jars. Go and get some vessels. Because the issue is never the oil. The, when did the oil stop flowing? When she ran out of capacity to receive the oil. The issue is never the flow of oil. <laughs> The issue is your ability to stay and remain open and to empty the jar of all the clutter so that it can be filled with oil. Amen. So Father, that's what we want. We want to come before You as jars ready to be filled with Your glory and Your power. And so we invite You to come and do what only You can do today. And Father, we do, we humble ourselves just before You right now. We want to receive from You, Jesus. We don't take this moment lightly, but we really humble ourselves before You, Father. We ask for You to speak to us. And I ask, Holy Ghost, that You would come upon these words today, come upon this time. Do what only You can do. Break open in this place. Spirit of the living God, 
we surrender this moment to You. We declare that this is Your church. And so we ask for You to move. In Jesus' Name, Amen, 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 Amen. You may be seated. Just a little more on this, please. Thank you. Oh, that's good. You read my mind. Wonderful. Let's go to Luke chapter 2. Alicia's already preached the message, so we're going to blaze through this. And I hope you were taking notes when she was doing the announcements. So you've got to be ready in season and out of season here. All right. You might get the sermon in the foyer while you're picking up your coffee. Uh, praise God. Luke chapter 2. Uh, we're talking about make room. And a number of weeks ago, I felt the Holy Spirit uh, just in a time of thinking and praying and talking to the Lord around this season. God, what do you want? What do you, what do you, what do you want to say? How do you want us to be? What's the message, if you like? Not to say that Christmas and the birth of our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ needs some sort of marketing handle to make it more relevant or contemporary or effective. No, not at all. But I hear the Holy Spirit whispering to us as a church, I want you to be a people that make room for me. I want you to be a people that make room for what I'm doing. I want you to be a people that make room in every facet of your life for a move of God's Spirit. I want you to make room in every area of your life, not only to be ministered to, but also to acknowledge that you are a minister. You're not a member of the church, you're a minister of the church. Amen? Amen? <laughs> Luke chapter two, let's read it. And then we'll just talk for a few minutes. And it came to pass, verse number one, in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus. For all of those having babies soon, there's a few good suggestions. That all the world should be registered. Isn't it fascinating? If we lived under that sort of uh, government regime, um, um, let's leave that one there. Um, that all the world should be registered. Um, Somehow I think we think we've got a bad. Anyway, let's keep moving, Matt. Stay out, away from it. Away. The census first took place why Quinarius, another beautiful baby name right now. Don't know what's happening. This could be prophetic. Quinarius was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own home, his own city. Joseph went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was not of the house, sorry, because he was of the house and lineage of David to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth, this is what, what the verse I want you to underline this morning and take specific note of. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room. There was no room. The precious and wonderful 
Saviour is about to be born. The one that all human history would revolve around time itself, BC, AD. The world, there's a gravitational pull towards this divine historic moment, the birth of a little baby. A baby inside of Him, a divine lineage of kingship. Not just any baby, a baby that the world would stop and stand still. A a little baby about to be born that would not only have some life altering moments in the narrative of His own time on earth, but a baby that we would still gather, not only all over this country, but in every nation of the earth, that they would proclaim the name of this small little baby that is about to be born in this story. They would call upon His name, the name of Jesus, and every tribe, every nation, and every tongue that calls upon that name, the Bible tells us will be saved. This little baby that even in this narrative at the start of the Gospels, most of the Gospels anyway, shepherds, the common people receive angelic visitations as a result. Not the priests, not the religious ones, but the shepherds, the lowest of the low of the workforce of that time receive angelic visitation. Angels announcing the birth of this Saviour. You know the story of the three wise men (laughs) who bring gifts from afar, who have some sort of divine prophetic connection. Do we really know who they were or what they were about? Do we know, were they biblical kind of mediums and astrologers and, and kings and noble people? We don't really know. Were they, were they kind of like Israelite people? Were they from other? We don't know a lot of detail, but what we know is that something started speaking to them. Something started pointing to the birth, this historic moment that even to this very day, our lives would be transformed around the birth of our Saviour, Jesus. (laughs) We thank God for that moment. He wasn't born in a throne room. He wasn't born with the midwifery staff of the Austin Hospital. Come on, somebody. The sheep were not qualified like they should have been. And instead of being born in a sanctified, sanitized, pristine, eat off the floor type of place, he was born in the very opposite. But here is the wonderful thing about Jesus. Are you ready for this? is that even a baby that is born in a manger takes what the world rightfully so deem as a filthy, dirty place that should not be inhabited by people. And God's redemptive work started in that very moment because wherever Jesus is, He is always doing the work of redemption. 
And He takes that filthy, dirty old barn, that stable, and transforms it into this holy, beautiful moment. This is the life working power of the Gospel of our risen Lord Jesus. That no matter how dirty, no matter how filthy, I feel like a Gospel message coming on somebody. No matter how bad your life looks, no matter how left out you look, the Jesus can walk into your life in one moment and your life goes from being in a, in a stable, in a dirty, filthy place that no baby, no person should be in that context. And But the presence of Jesus sanctifies, it changes, it washes clean, it makes as white as snow. And you might feel like in your life right now, you're in a, in a stable, you're in a, in a messed up place. And the truth is that all you need is the presence of Jesus. Let me try that again. All you need is the presence, the presence, the presence of Jesus. The presence of Jesus. presence of Jesus. The faithful God knew that we need the presence. He, he, he knew that we needed the presence of God. And so He said, I want you to wait and tarry in Jerusalem. When you wait, I'm gonna send you a helper. His name is the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is gonna endure you with, him, in, with power. You're gonna be filled with power. is gonna be infused into every part of who you are. Every part of your life now is gonna be filled full of the presence of God. That's why I wanna encourage you in this season, no matter what you're facing ahead, you walk out of this place today knowing that you carry, you carry Holy Spirit within you. Amen. You carry Holy Spirit with you. I find it so fascinating that the Bible records this little, inserts this little part in the story that there was just, just in the Gospel of Luke, our historian, our Bible writer that loves history and loves, loves facts and loves recording the story. I love it how, how Luke records that there was, there was no room, there was no room in the inn. So Jesus was born in a manger before we get to some of those details, let's just zoom in a little bit on this concept of making room for God because that's my prayer for you. My prayer, we're gonna talk about a whole lot of things because um, obviously we wanna make room for Holy Spirit, but more than that, we wanna make room for just God's work in us, for us and through us. And some of God's best work happens not in the, solitude of our prayer room, but sometimes God's best work happens in the openness of spiritual family, community. And so we're gonna talk about this in a lot of ways. But our problem often when it comes to making room, you can stop for a few minutes, man, is that all right? Just one, one or two minutes. Thanks, thanks. All right, back on. No, no. <laughs> 
Our problem is often is that we've, we've pre-prescribed how we think, we've already decided how we think God's gonna move. Are you with me? We've already decided our story of origin has created a prophetic narrative of our future of how God's gonna move. And it traps us. It traps us. So we, a lot of the time, especially in church life, the reason why you keep getting the same thing out of church week and week isn't because I'm not open to what the Lord is doing or because we don't have an environment of hunger and there's another church down the road that might, it's not even about that. It's about that we become conditioned. We become conditioned around what we expect out of things when we go there. And so this happens in every area of life. If you go to an Italian restaurant, there probably is not gonna be on the menu pad thai, come on somebody. <laughs> Maybe, <laughs> you never know, miracles happen. But you know what I'm talking about. Why and why we don't even think of that as a possibility. Why? Because we become conditioned. And a lot of the times when it comes, when it, um, in, in relation to making room for the Holy Spirit, a lot of the times the problem is, is that we've already pre-prescribed and decided how God is gonna move. Let, let's have a show of hands. How many of you have been in church longer than in Sunday church meetings? You've come, been to them more than one year, not in power, just in general, just in general, raise your hand. How many more than five years? How many more than 10 years? How many more than 15 years? Keep, keep them up high, keep them up high. Look at this religious bunch of, no, no. <laughs> How many grew up in church sleeping under the pew? You know what I'm talking about? I'm going way back. I'm going to like, I don't know. For me, it was like the 80s. Come on, the early 80s underneath there, trying to, my mum kicking me under the chair sort of thing. You know what I'm talking about? Those were the days where, they were, where we were like morning and night Christians, you know what I mean? Sunday was like, you're in the morning and then you bring your blankie at night, come on. And God, we should do that, even in the mornings. I'm cool with blankies, all right? Just if you wanna bring a blankie, bring it along, go for it, use it as something for prophetic worship too, you go ahead, you do you. Um, just watch eyes and stuff like that. Um, but the truth is, is just that story paints a picture of what our expectation is like. We have become so desensitized that often I believe we approach a room like this, expecting what we had last week rather than expecting the impossibilities of God being made possible. Did you hear that? We are talking about the King of all glory. We're talking about a God of infinite wisdom, power, strategy, might. We're talking about a God that has a solution for the problem that you're facing. You might have heard me say this before, but often I, I think the issue with the new wineskin and the old wine kind of metaphor is quite simply that we keep rocking up with an old wineskin asking God to fill it with new wine. We keep saying, Lord, here I am. 
at my conference again, at my Sunday morning church again, with my same praise again, with my same appetite again, with my same belief of what you're gonna wanna do again. And we're saying, would you fill it with new wine? And God's like, it's the same as last week. And so my prayer for us in this season is that there would be a spiritual adjustment in our, in our lives that we would start approaching God with a new and a fresh expectation of what He might be able to do in our times as we gather corporately as the church, but also in the times as we gather in smaller environments with family and friends. That My prayer would be that God would move with power, that you would have a new expectation around what happens in your prayer times, that you would have a new expectation around what happens in conversations with other people that are there to iron sharpening iron, you know what I mean? You know what I'm talking about? And so my prayer is that we would be like some of the biblical characters and we would stop approaching God in as, he, as Him being just an ordinary person that we're so familiar with and that we would start to honour and that we would start to love and that we would start to um, reverence Him in the way that He deserves. Can I hear an amen? (laughs) Think about it. Moses turned aside to see the burning bush. Moses turned aside. Think about it. The New Testament church waited in an upper room. Yeah? Yeah? They waited in an upper room. Think about it. Peter and John, they stopped on their way to prayer, on their way to church. We got some humming going on. Swap mics. Oh. (laughs) Hello. Everyone good? Hey, still on, mate. Going to that one? There we go. Thank you. You deserve a pay rise. We don't pay him, just so you know. Often we look for him in what we know and it's just human nature. I want to give you three quick things. Shall we do one Bible story? Is that good? What's the time? We want to go home soon. Um, one of the, yeah, yeah. What's fascinating when you do a, a bit of research into Luke 2, often we think that, that there was no room for him, Jesus, in the inn. Isn't that better? That's not that really annoying high pitch. I can provide it though, don't worry. Um, it's fascinating when you read it and when you start reading some commentaries, some commentaries, um, some commentaries talk about how they, um, how they, we often associate there being no room in the inn because people are like antichrist. They didn't want Jesus. They hated him. There was this, there was that, there was this, all this. But there's a few commentaries that talk about this idea that that wasn't actually the case. It was just a busy time. It was, it was just, there was just no room. Their lives, there was no room for Jesus quite simply because their lives were full with something else. It wasn't necessarily this sinister antichrist kind of demonic thing. Maybe there was some of that going on. I'm not sure, I wasn't there. 
But really, I think the application for us today is really to ask ourselves, do we have room for him? That's the question. And so I want you to write these three things down. Number one, I want you to write down this, make room for God in my heart. Just write the word down, heart. Make room, number two, for God in my head. Write down the word head. And number three, make room for God in my habits. See what I did there? They all start with H, genius level preaching. <laughs> Heart, <laughs> I think I stole this off Pastor Danny Gugamucci. Heart, head, habits. Heart, head, habits. And so the question is, how are you making room for God in your heart, in your head, and in your habits? Remember, we are really good, we are really good at missing God in the, in the everyday. So we've got to commit ourselves to getting better, to acknowledging that God could appear to us in the ordinary. In fact, especially in church life where a lot of hands go up that have been in a lot of meetings, we can be like Samuel the prophet who are trying to do the work of the Lord, but we are relying on what God did in a previous season for this next chapter. In, in 1 Samuel chapter 16, listen to this, you know the story, David is being anointed king. And it says, and it says in ver, uh, 1 Samuel 16, uh, let's just read for the sake of time from verse number five. Peaceably I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. Sanctify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. This is Samuel speaking to Jesse's sons. Then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. Verse number six. So it was when they came that he looked at Eliab. Do you see, listen to what's happening. He looked at Eliab. He looked at Eliab. And what is Samuel the prophet? I mean, this dude's a man. This dude's like an OG man of God. This guy is powerful. This guy has been in a lot of church. Come on, somebody. He's been around. He's seen th some things. He hears the voice of the Lord. And check out what Samuel does because this is our human tendency to do. This is when a religious spirit kicks in and we don't even know. It's just so familiar that we even forget what we're doing here. We're here more out of, out of tradition than we are out of worship. Listen to what Samuel says. So the Bible says that he looked at Eliab. So there was something about Eliab, the son of Jesse, that was like probably a bit similar to my physique. Just making sure people are listening, honestly. No one was because you didn't laugh or my joke wasn't funny. And the Bible says this. It says, he looked at Eliab and he said, surely the Lord's anointed is before him. Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said, do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature because I've refused him. For the Lord does not see as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And my point to you today is if Samuel the prophet can get it wrong, we're probably inclined to lean into that space too. Where we are 
trying, we're, we're expecting God to move in a certain way because that's the way he's moved before. But God is doing a new thing and he wants to do it right here, right now, amen? And so we've got to have open hearts. We've got to make room in our hearts, in our heads and in our habits. Let's just quickly break these down. In order, the key to making room for God in your heart is that you've got to have a soft heart. You've got to have a receptive heart. You've got to have a heart that allows God's voice to speak into your situation. Romans 6, 13 says, do not present your members to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For we belong to God. We should not be competing with everything else in our lives. Sorry, he should not be competing with everything else in our lives. If we belong to God, right, there should be no competition. We've got to make room for God in our heart. Romans 12, 1 says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. So question, what is filling? We started talking about the jars, the oil being available. What is what is filling the vessel of your life that's taking space that belongs to God. Make room. Make room. Make room for Him. We are renting out, we're renting space out in our lives and in our hearts to other things. Can I say something really strong? There is nothing in our worlds that should be in competition with God. God should be our number one priority, our number one devotion. Let's move on to the second one. Make room for God in my head. The head, in order for you to make room for God in your head, the head, the thinking, the approach must be humble. There must be humility. You say, why does there need to be humility in my thinking? Because thoughts have a way of exalting themselves above God's plan and above God's truth. Anytime, anytime, in fact, to be honest with you, even when I enter into a, a theological conversation about someone or something or something that I think I'm pretty well read on or know about, I always want to approach that conversation with humility. I actually had this moment, I can't remember who I was with, I was with someone probably here and they said something and sometimes this is just what happens, I get these things that they're impressions to me and, and I just felt to myself, you know what we all need, I might do this as an illustrative sermon one day, we, we should all have our learner plates on. Everyone gets a learner plate, you know what I mean? Because we should be walking around as students wanting to learn from God Acknowledging that one of the primary ways that we learn from God is through others. And so I 
like to position myself the best that I can in a place of humility because I know that one of the oppositions to my personal growth is when I have a closed mindset towards and, and, and really that is just like me going, well, I know this, so I don't need to hear that. But I want to approach things with humility. And a big part of us making room for God is, is coming before Him and coming before each other and acknowledging the God gift in each other, acknowledging that people have amazing gifts and talents. You don't, we don't want more Matt Garners in the church. We don't want more people that look like me, sound like me, have my gift. God help us all. But what we need is we need more, we, well, we don't need more of you, we need you. Why, why you say, well, I don't have anything special. No, you're looking through the eyes of Samuel, not through the eyes of God, because God doesn't look at the outward appearance. He doesn't look at the socioeconomic kind of position of your life and your family tree. He doesn't look at how much sleep you had or didn't have. He doesn't look at the clothes you wear, the postcode that you live in. He looks on a whole different level. And let me tell you right now, it is the greatest thing, greatest joy in my life to look at people and see destiny inside of them when they can't see it themselves. You have a destiny inside of you. Stop thinking God's gonna use the preacher to change the world. If he was gonna use the preacher to change the world, it would have happened already because there's a lot of really good preachers. But God is looking to raise up a church that have the humility to acknowledge the God gift in others, call it out and receive from it. Because often prophets appear to us in ways that we don't have the ability to receive from. Why? Because they're our brothers. A prophet is without reward, without honour in his hometown. Why? Because I know Mike and Chelsea and we're friends. And often I can approach that friendship on the basis of friendship rather than my first commitment, like I'm not, I'm not saying we're, not, we're all not becoming friends and we're gonna do some weird stuff. I'm not talking about that. But I'm talking about actually the first thing I need to do is lean into the God gift that's inside of them. Because I can never receive from them the miracle that might be inside of them if I don't honour the God identity that's inside of them. If I just look at David as just a good guy, with cool clothes, who I like hanging out with because he's fun and he's awesome and he's got good stories and glasses and bling. Look at that top. Right? No, there's a, there's a prophet inside of that man. There's a strong prophetic anointing inside of him that I can never receive from if I don't lean in in a God way to receive it. You're with me? Some of you, I'm just gonna preach right now myself happy. Some of you are sitting next to the greatest walking miracle and you don't even realize it right now. 
You have been so conditioned, your heart and your head has got so hard that you've lost your ability as a follower of Jesus to receive from the supernatural gift that God has put inside of the person next to you. Come on. Some of you, listen to me, don't clap just yet because we're about to go deep. Some of you husbands, wives, are you with me? You are so familiar with your spouse, you've forgotten how to receive from them. You can clap now. (laughs) How do you do that when there's so much familiarity? You've got to have humility. You've got to keep leaning in to the God part of who they are. So we've got to make room for God. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed. You better jump up. Thanks, Kelf. Um, Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And so we've got to really take control of our thinking. If we're going to make room for God, everyone say make room. If we're going to make room, then we've got to be a people that, that, uh, that have humility in our thinking, that understand God in the space of my thinking, in my heart, the area of my emotions, the area of my inner man, the area of all those sorts of things, I've got to make room. But in the area of my thinking, I've got to make room. So you got to, there's got to be an adjustment that you make with God, in, in, that you make with yourself before the Lord in order for you to receive from Him. Can I give you just two more things really quickly in that space? Just write these down really quickly. So how, how do I do that? Number one, I want you to refresh your priorities. That's what I want you to do this week. This is your homework, okay? I want you to sit down either with your husband or wife or by yourself, you do you. And I want you to refresh your priorities. Don't bite off more than you can chew. You're not changing your life in this moment. Think about this month of December and moving into January and all the family things and the hecticness that goes on, wrapping up work and all those sorts of things all the family functions. We've already had a Christmas dinner. Can you believe it? We had it on the 2nd of December. I know, pray for us. Right? But I want you to refresh your priorities. I want you to have a look at them and I want you to refresh them through the lens of seek first the Kingdom of God. I want you to refresh your priorities. Hey, what, Alicia, what is this month gonna look like? How do we refresh our priorities as a family where we can position Jesus and make room for Him in everything that we do? Oh, but we've got family and they're not saved and all the rest of it. We still make room for Him. We had family over that don't know the Lord yesterday and we're there. We're not thinking we're not going to pray and say grace because we don't want to offend. I'm the opposite. I'm thinking we're going to say grace or we're going to create a culture where just maybe, just maybe God might open a door and give me a word, a word of knowledge, something about their, about them that's going on that I can just pray into and we can see a miracle. Now that didn't happen yesterday, just to clarify. But you know what I'm saying? I wanna, I wanna pray the long graces. You know what I'm saying? Jesus, we thank You. You came, You were born in a manger. I wanna holler like an African-American preacher. You know what I'm saying? Yes, Lord, we do thank you for the food, but God, you bled and died for our sick. Come on, some. I want you to refresh your priorities, number one. Number two, I want you to define your values. Is that loud? Maybe just bring the keys down a bit. I want you to define values. A few quick things on that. Ask God. 
let him speak. This is a real practical message. Ask God, let him speak. What are you going to value? Let him speak, ask God. Don't let the enemy convince you that you're too busy to include God. Let's go to the last one. Make room for him in, in your habits. In order for your habits to change and adjust so that you can make room for God in this season, your habits have got to be flexible. In other words, you've got to have room to change them. Habits. Habits are really, really, really important. Really important. I was talking to Steve the other day and he said something, probably got it out of some book, I'm sure, or probably came to him by divine revelation, I'm not sure. But something about science says that motivation lasts about 72 hours. That's why we feel good after the big prayer or the conference or the guru session, but it runs out after 72 hours. And so what we need to do is we need to take that motivation that we received, nothing wrong with that, but we need to allow it to create habits in our life. How does that work in church? It works in the sense of, I hope you're not just coming, having an experience and going home and that's all it is. I hope that this is, that the messages on a Sunday and the whole experience of sun, gathering as the church like this is challenging some of your habits so that you'd start making godly, godly habits in your life, habits that honour Him. Sometimes that means you've got to make habits that dishonour the flesh. Come on, somebody. Sometimes it's a little word. It's a word we don't like using much in this time. It's the word called discipline. And sometimes the greatest thing for you to create a habit is to just commit, become disciplined. I'm just going to start praying. I'm just going to start reading. I'm just going to start doing that. So let me give you three things that I want you to consider as habits over this next little time. Number one is prayer. Pray about everything. Philippians chapter 4, 6 and 7. Pray about, include prayer into everything. Make it a habit in your life, right? Number two, God's Word. Make it a habit in your life. And number three, I want you to consider making a habit in your life, solitude. I want you to consider making stillness and these times where you're sitting before the Lord in contemplation, solitude if you like, just you and Him. Some spiritual muscles are not developed in the corporate space. Some spiritual muscles are only developed in your one-on-one time with the Lord. And so I want you to practice, I want you to get in that place and I want you to say, God, I'm making room for you. Come and change me. Come and do something in me. Psalms 46.10 says, Be still and know that I am. I am God. Be still and know that I am God. And so come on, just in this moment, last five minutes, then we're gonna wrap up. Parents can get their kids. You can remember, get a coffee after the service. If you're visiting and you're new, we're never gonna pester you for your contact details. So if you don't receive communication, you can do, you can sign up at empowerchurch.co forward slash connect. Um, or you don't have to do that. You can give out there in the foyer. You can do a whole lot of different things at the end of the service. But right now, just for five minutes, we're going to spend some time making room for Him. Is that all right? Is that good? 
Come on. And so we're going to rise, we're going to stand, and we're going to pray. Wonderful, Jesus. Let's have the rest of the band up too. That'd be great. Singers, minstrels, guitar soloists. Drummers. Look at that orange jacket as well. It's pretty good. It's making room for fashion. Come on, somebody. Come on, let's just sting our hearts before Him. And let's just begin to pray. I think for some of us today, the place that you need to start, you need to just ask the Lord to forgive you because you haven't prioritised Him in the way that maybe you should have. And so just come to speak to Him right now. But come on, we're just going to worship. Just bring our hearts before Him. If you want to get out of your seats, you can do so. If you want specific prayer, you can come and we'll pray for you. But come on, let's just let the Holy Spirit just do what He wants to do right now. Yes, Lord. Yeah. 